The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. So today we are going to dive into Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 14, Cornelius Fudge. This chapter starts out with the trio discussing what Harry saw when he was sucked into the diary. It was Hagrid. Hagrid opened the Chamber of Secrets 50 years ago. It can't be Hagrid. It just can't be. We don't even know this Tom Riddle. He sounds like a dirty, rotten snitch to me. The monster had killed somebody, Ron. What would any of us have done? Look, Hagrid's our friend. Why don't we just go and ask him about it? That would be a cheerful visit. Hello, Hagrid. Tell us, have you been setting anything mad and hairy loose in the castle lately? Mad and hairy? You wouldn't be talking about me, though, would you? No. It seems that Hagrid is once again a suspect of the current monster's reign of terror. Harry despises that he learned how to use Tom Riddle's journal. What does this say about seeking truths that you don't want to believe once they are revealed? I think that a lot of times individuals might be looking for truth, expecting to find something like in a confirmation bias. I think Harry, Ron, and Hermione expected that they would find that Draco is guilty or that Lucius Malfoy 50 years ago was one that was responsible for some terrible things that went on in Hogwarts. And as we learned, Tom Riddle's vision had revealed to Harry had indicated that Hagrid might have been involved. And I think that it really demonstrates that sometimes we might be surprised about what we find and also that sometimes our own biases, our own expectations of individuals and how they're involved in certain activities might actually be incorrect. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So after some time goes by without incident, Harry has to return to his Quidditch practice. One night after returning to the Gryffindor dormitory after practice, Harry is approached by several of his roommates apologizing to him. Apparently someone had rifled through all of his belongings and they were just scattered all over his room. Harry, I don't know who did it, but you better come. Come on. The only thing that was taken was Tom Riddle's journal. It had to be a Gryffindor. Nobody else knows our password. Unless it wasn't a student. Whoever it was, they must have been looking for something. They found it. Tom Riddle's diary is gone. Seeing that it was in Gryffindor Tower, and only a Gryffindor could have taken it, 
how might it feel that someone from your own house might be stealing from you? You know, I imagine that it would be really jarring. I mean, if you think about what it would be like to have a friend that you trusted or a family member betray you in some kind of way, it would be devastating. And I imagine it happens a lot, especially for teenagers when they, for example, share a secret with a close friend and then they find out that that secret is then shared with a lot of other people. And so the sense of betrayal can be really heartbreaking and devastating. And although Harry doesn't know who did this and which member of the Gryffindor house committed this crime, just the understanding that some of the people within his own house stole something from him, I imagine is really jarring. Yeah, that would be very difficult to have someone from your own dormitory rifling through your things. Everybody would be suspect at that moment and it would be very uncomfortable. As I mentioned earlier, Quidditch has started again, and just when they're about to start the Quidditch match, Professor McGonagall bursts onto the field with a megaphone and cancels it. This match has been canceled. We don't cancel Quidditch. Silence, Wood. You and your teammates will go to Gryffindor Tower. Now, Potter, you and I will find Mr. Weasley. There's something that both of you have to see. Ron obviously joins along, and they end up in the hospital wing. I warn you. This could be a wee bit of a shock. Apparently there was another attack, and it was another double attack. There was a fifth-year Ravenclaw girl named Penelope Clearwater and their best friend Hermione. Hermione. She was found near the library, along with this. Both are petrified and in hospital beds. At this point, what might be the impact of these attacks on Harry, Ron, and the other kids at Hogwarts? Well, you know, I'm just thinking about what some of the kids nowadays go through with school shootings and sexual assaults and a lot of the trauma that occurs in schools, especially when schools are in session, when students are attending. And each additional loss or an injury can be that much more traumatizing where students might not feel safe. You know, I think many of us are reading The Chamber of Secrets as a fictional story But if we transform it to real-life lens, I can't even imagine the amount of trauma that the students would feel if on a regular basis there was a student that would be randomly attacked, a student who was singled out because of their ethnicity, because of their race, because of their religion, a student that would be physically injured so much so that they would be in a coma. I imagine that for students of that school who've had multiple attacks like it, it would be extremely traumatizing and probably would feel very unsafe to be in that school. Paranoia would be rampant, right? (laughs) Paranoia is an interesting word. I wouldn't necessarily use that word here. It applies to something kind of more specific. It applies more to psychosis and similar disorders. But I think anxiety, just heightened anxiety and fear. Yeah, I know. I'd be scared. During the conversation between Harry and Professor McGonagall, she mentions that Hogwarts will now need to be closed. Could I have your attention, please? Because of recent events, these new rules will be put into effect immediately. All students will return to their house common rooms by six o'clock every evening. All students will be escorted to each lesson by a teacher. No exceptions. I should tell you this, unless the culprit behind these attacks is caught, 
It is likely the school will be closed. This sends Harry spiraling. He imagines all the worst case scenarios. Worst of all, returning to the Dursleys. What does this say about our minds and how they instigate a progression of our fears? Well, I think our minds are meant to risk assess, right? Especially for trauma survivors like Harry, we tend to think in worst case scenarios, which can be helpful at times to get us ready for a situation where this worst case scenario can occur. And at the same time, our minds might overthink it. Our minds might kind of over-exaggerate the possibility of the worst case scenario. In Harry's case, he's actually on point because of Hogwarts clothes. He would be going back to live with his abusive relatives. And it says a lot that he would rather be in school where students are randomly attacked and paralyzed and petrified or again, almost in a comatose-like state, than live with his abusive relatives. It says a lot about the kind of environment that his relatives have created and that he feels mm-hmm. safer in a school where students get attacked than to live with his awful, awful relatives. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting perspective to take. So another thing I found interesting is when Harry thinks of having to return to the Dursleys, he recalls Tom Riddle's own panic when he was in the diary. It is not wise to be wandering around this late hour, Tom. Yes, Professor. I I suppose I I had to see for myself if the rumors were true. I'm afraid they are, Tom. They are true. About the school as well? I don't have a home to go to. They wouldn't really close Hogwarts, would they, Professor? I understand, Tom. But I'm afraid. Headmaster Dippet may have no choice. Tom turned Hagrid in because he was terrified of returning to his orphanage and having to deal with that. Harry really relates to Tom here and wants to confront Hagrid just like Tom did. Let's talk to Hagrid, Ron. I can't believe it's him, but if he did set the monster loose last time, he'll know how to get inside the Chamber of Secrets. And that's a start. Could you write McGonagall? We're not allowed to leave the tower except for class. I think it's time to get my dad's old cloak out again. Can you talk about these processes of relating to others in this way? Well, I think when we recognize another being as having similar experiences to us, we go through something called common humanity. That means recognizing that we have something in common with another human, that just like me, this person also doesn't want to go home. Just like me, this person also had terrible home environments, for example. So Harry was really able to relate and even empathize with Tom's situation, even though they were 50 years apart. In a similar way, a lot of readers, especially now, might be able to really relate to Harry's experiences. For some of the people who have really damaging, really toxic home environments, I imagine that they would rather risk getting the coronavirus and go to school than be at home with some of their abusive families. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that people should be going to school and socializing and risking getting ill and potentially dying, that would be a terrible risk. And I can see how some people might be so traumatized by what might be going on in some of their home environments, that weighing out those risks, the potential for seeing the monster or encountering the pandemic monster in this case, in this example, might be less frightening for them than the daily encounter of their abusive household members. And that says a lot 
about how awful some of these interactions might be for some people. Most definitely. So that night, Harry and Ron put on the invisibility cloak and go out to Hagrid's hut. Almost as soon as they got there, there is a knock. Dumbledore, Lucius Malfoy, and the Minister of Magic, Cornelius Fudge, are at Hagrid's door. That's boss. Cornelius Fudge. Minister of Magic. Bad business, Hagrid. Very bad business. Had to come. Three attacks on Muggleborns. Things have gone far enough. The Ministry's got to act. But I never. You know I'm never professor. I want it understood, Cornelius, that Hagrid has my full confidence. Albus, look, Hagrid's record is against him. I've got to take him. Take me? Take me where? Not Azkaban prison. I'm afraid we have no choice, Hagrid. He is to be taken to Azkaban prison because just like 50 years ago, he's the only suspect. There is no court, no judgment, only prison because Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic, has to, quote, be looking like he's doing something. He even says that if Hagrid isn't to blame, he'll be released with a full apology. Just an apology. I mean, it is so messed up. Azkaban is supposed to be this very high security prison where only the worst witches and wizards are taken. What is this saying about innocence being lost in the shadows of suspicion and doing something bad to be perceived as doing something good? I was absolutely disgusted when I reread that part, you know, reading it now as an adult and seeing how this politician put his campaign, essentially, right, his political status over somebody's well-being, somebody's life is absolutely horrendous because what we know of Azkaban, what we learn in the subsequent book, is that it's filled with dementors that mm -hmm. essentially torture you and make you relive your worst memories and can suck the happiness out of you. And coming out of there, you might never be the same in a similar way as somebody who's innocent, who goes to prison for a crime they didn't commit, might never be the same. They might be so traumatized that when they come out, they might never quite be the same person. And it absolutely broke my heart to see the parallels with Cornelius Fudge and some of the political leaders that we have today who would rather put an innocent person away and punish somebody for something that they had nothing to do with. And torture someone than to actually take time to investigate what's going on and find the truth. Yeah, just the fact that Lucius Malfoy is sitting in the back gloating over this situation and even trying to get Dumbledore out what? as headmaster. I mean, gosh. What exactly is it that you want with me? The other governors and I have decided it's time for you to step aside. This is an order of suspension. We'll find all 12 signatures on it. I'm afraid we feel you've rather lost your touch. We're up with all these attacks. There were no muggle-borns left at Hogwarts. You can't take Professor Dumbledore away. Take him away and the Muggleborns won't stand a chance. You mark my words, there'll be killings next. You think so? Calm yourself, Hagrid. 
If the governors desire my removal, I will, of course, step aside. Speaking of Lucius, I mean, his primary influence is financial. So again, if we think about it through the lens of politics, it seems to not be unusual, unfortunately, for individuals in high power to, first of all, get away with some really horrendous crimes, as the Malfoy family often does, and also to have influence over the politicians to then take actions that are immoral and unjust. Yeah, quite the interesting chapter this one is, and it ends with Dumbledore and Hagrid kind of giving these little cryptic hints to Harry and Ron to go out and investigate essentially. And we'll get into that on the next episode. So make sure to tune in. Again, my name is Dustin. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Stay safe, stay magical, and have a wonderful day.